And now, weighing in out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100%. And on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big John McCarthy. That's right. You heard him, Josh. Oh, look at you. Flex, baby. Go. Oh, Your neck's got to be 13 inches. Big That's Josh awesome. McCarthy. You just pencil neck geek now. Look at that. I saw a picture. I was looking. I was watching your fight with Hermes Franca. Oh. And and they put a picture of you up. And, dude, back then I go, look at the fucking neck on Josh. He's got a, that's a fucking neck. And now it's doing what mine's doing. See now, hold on. Now, if Dave knew this, I would be very impressed because, see, back when I was young, there was this professional wrestler named Freddie Blassie. They're talking about the 24 inch pythons. No, not Hulk Hogan. (laughs) Freddie Blassie used to call everyone a pencil neck geek. He goes, Ah, you're a pencil neck geek. Uh... (laughs) And so I was like, that was a big thing, man. Had to do neck rolls, get my neck big. Didn't want to be a pencil neck geek. Dave wouldn't have liked him because he would be referring to Dave. Now, <laughs> yeah. now, Dave, you and I all fit into the category. No, We're getting to be pencil neck geeks. No, man. Like, I'm trying to get it back. It's, I got to wait till these stem cells are fully. No, 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 no. no, no. Don't go back. Are you going to do like neck rolls and stuff? I'm going to do everything. No, don't do it. I'll tell you what. Have you have you ever tried the uh, the iron neck? Or that thing that goes around ring? your head like a Yeah, a you look like Saturn. I've heard, I've heard about it. I've seen yeah, it. Yeah, I have but... one. They're good. Dude, they work. I've seen. I mean, like, I've also just used a towel. You just bite down on a towel and just use it with yeah, connected yeah, to yeah, like yeah, a kettlebell. Yeah, that's something. that's why you're called a caveman. I mean, John. Okay, I try to bring you into the 21st century, and what do you do? I use a towel. I bite on the towel. <laughs> I mean, that's why I still have a nice jawline. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel. Let's not make it more difficult than it really needs to be. So it's, it's not. Yeah, it's it's easy. You just, iron neck is not difficult. You no. put it on, you you strap it to a thing, and you sit there and you turn your but head around. You but, can even walk around in circles. But you pay for it. I'm not paying for that crap. Oh, I'm not paying for that. Ass, like that's dude. just not me. You're you know? just a cheap ass. I I am a cheap ass. I am a cheap ass. <laughs> <laughs> There's I'm not. I'm now. Not, Dave pops in. See, I'm not too shy about that type of stuff. You guys have to understand. I'm I am super cheap. Super cheap when it comes to things. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'll buy the things. Like, well, you know, one thing I won't be cheap on is food. If there, if I go out to mm-hmm. dinner, I, whatever it is, I'll spend money on food because yeah, it goes right into my body, man. I'll spend it. But I, I, I was, I'm, I'm the guy. Like today, I went to Dick Sporting Good, the little hand pump that I have for soccer balls and footballs and all that stuff. It um, it just stopped working. Like it just wasn't. The air I'd push out and the air would go out the side. I was like, all right. So I, I sat there. I kid you not for a good 15 minutes weighing the $15 one versus the $12 one. <laughs> that was it. And I still went with the $12 uh, one. I, I don't know oh, why I was there Jesus. weighing it. I, don't, I was Jesus. like, it's, it's something like, you know, like, yeah, it's just me. That's what I'll do. I'll do that every single time. I'm, I'm, I'm so cheap. doesn't matter what it is. It comes to even like shoes and stuff. I will, I'll look at a pair of shoes and be like, you know what? I love these shoes. No matter what, I will never buy them the first day. Oh, yeah. I'll leave and I'll come back like a couple of days later and see if mm-hmm. I still like them the same way. <laughs> Why? Same way. I'm, I don't know what it is. I do that, I do that on the internet, Josh. Uh, 
I, I look at shoes and I'll bookmark them and then I'll just sit and go on every day and I'll look, you know that app Honey that is on your browser that finds the coupons? Nuh-uh. Oh, oh, you have a, you have an app called Honey and yes, it's not it's, porn? It's coupons. <laughs> it finds coupons. John, if we ever start a porn site, we've got to call it Honey. We're calling it Honey. Yeah, or we'll there call it go. Honey Bee. We can call it Honey Bee or something like that. Honey, Woo! but Honey sounds awesome. I go on there and I just hit refresh every day and just see if the coupons start working on the sneakers I like until the sneakers (laughs) fall into that category of not not discountable. Oh, man. It's just not – I I just can't do it. I just – okay, because I guess I took it from – what's that movie, Blindside, with Sandra Bullock? When she's like, you're never Mm going to love it more than you're going to love it that day when it's on the shelf. If you don't love it when it's on the shelf that day, then you're never going to love it more than that. When it sits in your closet, you'll never love it that much. So if so I don't, I don't love it, anything. if it's not something I'm like, I buy clothes. I've got to have it, then so I'm I like, clothes, yeah, I don't really fuck. I don't buy clothes. Yeah, I mean, like, I haven't but bought clothes shoes, in a long time. You got to wear shoes, right? I wear shoes, but you know what? I used to be a shoe whore. I did. Yeah. Used to get all kinds of different tennis shoes. Now, dude. Now he's just a muck whore. Boot, <laughs> muck, muck boots. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, I'm big into anything that I can step into a giant mud hole or a or a patch of, of cow turd yeah. and it doesn't bother me <laughs> my dad he my dad had like probably four or five pairs of these boots called red wings yeah that's red all wings. he'd wear work boot. yeah that's all he'd wear he wouldn't wear anything else i mean yeah. he, he'd go, he would go um <clears throat> camping with them he'd go hiking with them he'd go hunting with them he'd go fishing Dude, with their them. boots matter, good boots he'd work in them he didn't care it was yeah. it didn't matter what it was He'd wear red wings everywhere. Yeah, that was his not thing. to brag, but uh, I ran three half marathons this week, so uh, you know oh. I've, been, I've been keeping my eye on the market for three uh, half marathons this week. I thought he was going to brag and said he ran that three half marathons in red wings. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. That would have been, been, been impressive. That would have been would have been very impressive. <clears throat> Quite a few blisters. Oh. <laughs> they're pretty comfortable from what i understand I've no they are but man i'll tell you what i wouldn't want to run in them no Ooh. definitely not definitely not uh before we get started you guys we want to continue to thank you guys for supporting our channel and supporting our show and uh please hit that subscribe button down below hopefully you guys enjoy our content hit the little bell notifications we do uh we have i should say changed up our format is that we normally talk just all about the fights and we cut the clips uh for the news and those will go on those will go throughout the week on this weekend show we're going to include some of the news on this weekend show because uh you know the fights were good um we didn't we didn't get a lot of uh things that we were hoping to get out of the fights but so we're going to go ahead and bring in some news content for this show but uh, overall, like uh, the fights, you know, had some moments that we could definitely uh, good moments, some, some good moments, moments, you know, and um, we'll, we'll pull from there. But make sure you guys hit the thumbs up and the bell and the notifications so you guys can see when we drop our content throughout the week. <clears throat> and um, like I said, thank you guys continuously to support us. And it means a lot to us. Thanks so much. Uh, let's go ahead Absolutely. and get started. Well, we did have uh, Fight Night 85 from the Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada. Delice versus Imovov, Imovov, however you want to say it. I heard, I heard, I heard them say it both they ways. They said so. it a bunch of different ways. Oh, I know. It's like, okay, so I don't, I don't have to worry about it. So I always say Imovov, so I'm just going to go with that. But Nasruddin Imovov taking on Roman Delice. I, I expected it to be that fight where Imovov would use his, I, in my opinion, technically better mm-hmm. stand-up to try to maintain distance keep 
Delice into trying to take him down. He's got really good wrestling as far as his defense anyways. And I knew it would be difficult, but I was, I did think that he would, and I've always seen him as fights get longer, he gets tired. And I thought Delice would kind of take over. It kind of worked a little bit that way, but it was really a weird, it was a weird fight. Yeah. It was a fight that, you know, Delice took an ass whipping Mm -hmm. in that first round. Boy, he got hit. He got hurt. He got, he got popped when he was on the ground. That was a big, big round for I'm about to start off with, but it was one of those. I mean, both had their moments. You had the, the foul that took points away from Nazardine. And then it was like, yeah, he sh- they should have taken the points. You, you're looking, you go, I hate the fucking rule. It's a stupid fucking rule, mm-hmm. but it's there. And when you're looking at him and he's looking at him and he just kicks him, it's like, well, what the fuck, dude? You know, you don't get the freebie when you're looking at him. Mm-hmm. If you can't see and you're over the top of him and you throw the knee kind of like Arnold Allen did with uh Emmaboff. No. Is it Emma- I, it's understandable. Gotcha. Huh? Not it's, em- understandable. it's not Emmaboff, uh the one that uh God. Evalov. 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 Thank Evalov. You. <clears throat> yeah. But it's understandable in that position. This one, look you go, what are you doing? Yeah. Man? Well, he had done that technique earlier in the fight as well. He had him against the fence. Yeah, he did. He landed it, but he was up. Yeah. I I think all that's going to be a mute point as we move forward with the rules change here, I think, pretty soon. If they they can move it. Which I think they will. I think everyone... Well, it's been voted on mm -hmm. by the rules committee. I'm part of that. It's been voted on by the rules committee to make the change. Now you've got to get all of the athletic commissions to vote to make the change. That's so a little more difficult. The California Commission is kind of uh, head head fronting this, right? Or is what do you call it? Well, and Annie Foster is the head of the rules committee. Yep. So yes, California Commission. I guess if you want to say that is is the one that's kind of pushing that forward, and it's a good thing. He and his relationship with like Illinois, and his relationship with Vegas, and his relationship with New York are all seem to be pretty much intact. Correct. Yeah, but see, this is what you got to <laughs> politics, Josh. Politics. Figure. You know, you you look at, and what'll happen is this. You know, it doesn't matter when, when, especially now. You take a look at. It used to be that California did by far more fights than anybody. Mm-hmm. When you looked at both boxing and MMA, it was they would do about two hundred shows a year, comparative to, you know, Nevada, which everyone thought was doing all these was doing somewhere around. 30 you know something in there now nevada based upon the apex center does quite a few more because they're doing a lot of ufcs Mm -hmm. they used to do about five to six to seven ufcs a year now they're doing all of these apex Mm -hmm. shows and so they add up but whether you're california or nevada and doing a lot of shows or you're a state or a tribal commission that does maybe one show a year Mm -hmm. Your vote counts the same. It's the same thing, you know? And so sometimes it gets to the point where you'll get uh, a commissioner who will say, I, I'm not going to do it, you know, you know, because, you know, California thinks that they're special. Mm. No, California's trying to do what's right. And you should just always be trying to do what's right. But you will get people that they get egos and it's one of the things that I've learned you have to deal with in times and stuff. And you, you got to be able to 
talk to that person to make them understand exactly why they should vote to change that rule. California is a little short yellow bus special, but we like to give them a little bit more credit than that when it comes to this type of system, because Andy yes. is a great uh, commissioner. Yeah, uh, he does a great job. I think uh, he's he definitely easy to talk to. He's somebody that um, I've had countless talks with on how we could try to improve the sport in so many different ways, whether it was weight cutting, whether it was rule changes, whether it was just on how to approach fighters and <clears throat> and their mentalities, not mentalities, and their actions inside the cage or outside the cage, um, you know, and whether they want to start slapping fines on, how do they put the fines on, and is it a deserving of a fine? Um, I've had plenty of conversation with him. He's been amazing to talk to. He's uh, 100% approachable. And if fighters ever feel the need to talk to someone, I would recommend talking to Andy Foster. Um, it's just a matter of time, I believe, that once this rule, uh, once they start voting on it, once a couple of them start making the change, obviously the big two biggest ones will be uh, California and Vegas. And I think once those two make the change, hopefully the rest of them start to follow suit. I think Chicago and New York, uh, if they jumped on the bandwagon, the rest of the states would probably go, you know what? Well, Possibly. Chicago's Illinois. Yeah, I'm sorry, Illinois. Sorry. Bad. Yeah, <laughs> I, sorry dude. I said Illinois yeah, I earlier, and then I went to, yeah. you know, <clears throat> but no one's fucking fighting anywhere else outside of Chicago and Illinois. Well, it's like Nevada. No one, they yeah. don't fight basically much outside of Las Vegas, yeah. but it's the you know, Nevada State Athletic Commission. Well, there's fights in Reno. Yeah, not a whole lot. Yeah. Let's just be honest. Yeah. All right, not all right. many. <laughs> I, th I think it's just a matter of time. In this situation and circumstances, look, it's you wonder sometimes is he being dirty? Because it was seemed like it was so blatant. Yeah, you could see it's the just, head. It, it's just that's where you look and you go, "Hey, you can see him. See where he's, his body position. Yeah, you can see where he's at. You take you're looking and you decide I'm just bringing it up. No, it's time to take a point because you're just not being an intelligent fighter. Yeah." I agree, and I'm glad that he did it right off the bat. There was no like him and ha. There was no like you know nope. what? Let me look at the let me look at the replay. Let me no. It was like look, it was obviously seemed to be, it obviously seemed to be blatant. Now look, the Lutzi could have taken the easy way out. Could have, but he was also but, down on the cards, and that was in round yes. four, correct? Yes, I believe that was in round four. So as soon as and round so it four, so would have gone to the cards there, and yeah. he, he would have lost. He would have lost there too. Yeah. Kind of a no-brainer for him to take continue to fight on. Uh, overall, though, my my take on the fight is I sat here the other day and I said that I thought Roman was going to win this fight. I thought because the power, the aggressiveness, um, was going to be the difference. I think I thought Imovov is a very talented technical fighter, but the way that you beat those kind of fighters, especially in the sport of MMA, is when you take someone who's a traditional stand-up guy who looks clean, very technical. You start walking him down and putting pressure on him like Sean Strickland does, like he did against yeah. Izzy. If you're able to do something like that and make him fight an uncomfortable fight, then you have a better chance. And I thought for yeah. sure that he would just walk through what Imovov was doing and just deliver big shots and put so much pressure and swing wild and make it a very uncomfortable fight for Imovov. Which then, when I started hearing the commentary halfway through the first round of them talking about how they were trying to settle him down because it was a five-round fight, trying to get him to fight at a pace, not to be so wild, I was like, he lost. As soon as that was said to me, he was going to do something that he doesn't normally do. It's it just turned it turned me off right away. I was like, yeah, I don't think that he's going to be able. You saw it right away. He was very he came out very relaxed, which was good. 
But yeah, but he but he normally comes out. Fast. He comes out fast and, and aggressive, and you've got to learn to fight the way you normally fight, even though it's a five round fight. But then learn to take your breaks in the middle somewhere. You you can't change the way your fighting style is. Like look, like a Michael Chandler. I'll give you an example. You guys know how I feel. But look, the bottom line with Michael Chandler is, you know, when he takes a step back and he bounces around, what is he doing, John? Taking a breath. He's taking a breath. He needs air. He's he needs air. He can't fight 110 miles an hour the whole five rounds or the whole three rounds. He takes a step back. He bounces around. He shakes his arms out, and he takes. That's his moment to get his breath. He knows what yeah. he's doing. He knows how Which he. Is smart. He's learned how to fight around his style of fighting. Run himself into a wall as many times as nope. he can, and when he can't, he takes a step back and he gets his breath. The lead say needs to learn to fight that way, and. In terms of being a little bit more fighter IQ, I thought it was good that he put himself through something new and different, but you've got to still fight your normal way. Because like I've said before, when when Dave was talking about when he ran his uh, half marathons and all these other things, I can't run with somebody who can't run with me because yeah. it's annoying to run at a slow pace. And I'm sure Dave maybe can attest to this. I don't know. But when you're when you're used to running at your own pace, I'm not there to talk. I'm not there to have a conversation. I, you know, and if we can talk while we're running side by side, great. But if I start to get a little bit ahead of you and you can't keep up, or if I get a little behind you and I and I've got to run at my pace, that's fine. I prefer just to be in my focus in my zone, and it actually makes me more tired when I have to run at a slower pace. Slower. It sure. just is miserable. And so whether I, you run slower or faster, yep. it's hard on you. You have Everyone's to be able to their, fight their at your comfort. pace. Yeah, That's you have right. to be able to fight at your pace. Just like you have to be able to run at your pace. You have to be able yep. to find your stride. That goes in this, that goes in running, that goes in fighting. And so he once he got out of his stride, he just was battling. And then he started developing bad tendencies as it started going. I Maybe I didn't catch this before. He dips his head to the right every single time. All the time. Every yep. time when he dips the knee up the gut. And that's actually what hurt him in that first round was that knee hit him first to the liver. And then the shots hit him and put him down. Like that's what hurt him. It was so if you dip that way, you're hunched over. It's easier to get the knee to come up or a knee to the head either way. But it just, it was a downhill. Um, it was downhill process for him from then on. And I, I didn't, I didn't see him really coming back after that first round. But it, yeah, the, I mean, the first round you got to look and he took a lot of damage. And but it, as the second round started, it was you know you looked at Imovov and you said he's a little bit tired. He, he he put a lot of energy out and trying to finish him there, and he's a little bit gassed. And you could see he he was trying to slow things down, and it looked like the lead state was going to come back and, and you know take the round. But you know Imovov really was the one taking the round, and then the third round almost the same thing. It was just a weird, it was a weird flow to the fight. It just was very slow at times with a lot of the grappling up against the cage and a lot of the, you know, kind of takedown attempts, but really didn't get there a whole lot. You know, a lot of 50-50 position, getting the underhooks. You see Imovov, you know, changing that over and stuff. I loved when he, actually when Delice finally dropped down and tried to, you know, go for the knee bar at one point, you know, he then you know, looked over towards, he was almost thinking towards the calf slicer mm -hmm. and then, you know, decided to try to crank on the, the toe hold, but you know, none of it worked for him, but Hey, he was trying, he was going for it. And it's the one thing I appreciate out of that fight. I look at it that at least elite say 
was trying and attempting to do something to win the fight. I think he knew that he was behind. I think Imavov knew that he was ahead and was kind of coasting at the end a little bit to just say, you know, I'm just going to touch in and just keep you away. And, and this is my fight. So. Yeah. Yeah, I, I thought Delice, like, look, it's very difficult in the fifth round to get any type of submission. You're slippery. You're exhausted. Every time you see the attack, it's already gone. <laughs> it's over. Yeah. Like, you're like, shit, where'd it go? Yeah. So you've missed that moment. And that's kind of what I saw from, from him um, in that fifth round. Sure, the toehold was there. The calf slicer was there. Uh, but it was just a second or two too far behind that he wasn't able to get to that position. So the toehold but looked it, like there was an opportunity and a yeah. chance. Yeah, um, but you got to look and say, I thought Imavov won the first, second, third mm -hmm. rounds. <sighs> to sit there and say it was a 10-8 in the first, I don't think so, even though, and I mm -hmm. kind of was texting with you, Nevada, they're very tight with mm -hmm. the 10 eights and what they want and stuff. And then I looked and I thought that, you know, Delice actually did well in the fourth round. Mm -hmm. He had his moments. And with the point off, that's a 10-8 mm -hmm. if you give him the fourth. And you could almost look and say the the fifth I thought went to Imavov. I thought he did better in it, but Imavov just made it seem like he kept it close because he wasn't like try after the first round. Didn't seem like he really tried to finish him. Yeah, but that was just the way I was perceiving it. Yeah, I also looked at the second round as well. I said maybe Delitze. I thought Delitze won that fight, that round. Could have that round yeah, only but because. See, I, <clears throat> In that, in that, I was looking at it. He did better, mm -hmm. but he didn't do as, but he didn't probably do as well as Imavov in that round to actually win the round. He did better in the round than he did in the first yeah. round by far. But I looked at the when I looked at the punch stats in that too, and I know punch stats can be very can, can sway people's opinions yeah. when looking at it. They don't mean shit. Sure. Okay. Um. <clears throat> But the, the punch stats were extremely close. I was like, I think it was like 10 punches to like 12 punches or some shit in the second round because Delice was able to control a lot of the clinching in that yeah. position. He also <clears throat> seemed like he was the fresher fighter, even though he got his ass kicked in the first round. But I think because Imovov blew yeah. himself up trying to get the finish. And so he was having a harder time, I think, recovering shoulders, back, whatever it was, you know, seemed a little bit more tired in that second round and the clinch work. So I would say it was, you know, I could have seen it being a 10-8 round uh for Imovov in the first um but i could have seen it being a 10-9 and then you could have had delete 10-9 so being going into the third i had Imovov win in the third and then i had delete say win in the second or sorry not the second but the fourth so the fourth though i don't know it was so close the fourth i could see it being yeah. a 10-8 because of the point so now well, he, it is it's, yeah it, if you give it to the delete say as a 10-9 round even mm -hmm. saying it was super close mm -hmm. It's a 10 8 round. Yeah. You're taking the point. Yeah. So then that puts it, that puts uh, that little question mark on there. So if you didn't give Delete, say, the, or didn't give Imwaf a 10 8 in the first, you could have potentially had a draw. Well, one of the judges did. In fact, it was my son, 47 47. <laughs> you know, and it, that's, it's that so means great. that he gave that. three rounds to Imwaf, yeah. you know, and two rounds to Delete, yeah. but because of the point deduction, it becomes a draw. Wow. Wow. Interesting, interesting thing. Yeah. But because I was texting you too for the uh, what fight was it? One of the fights where someone got dropped twice in the first round. It was the uh, Charles. Uh, oh, Charles Johnson. 
Charles Johnson. Fight. Charles Johnson yeah. fight. Yeah, we're, <clears throat> we're not going to skip to that, but I, I was actually just talking about how I thought maybe we'll that first that. round could have been a 10-8 round uh, because yep. he got dropped twice he in that round. twice. He almost got submitted. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't... It wasn't tight, it, but it, it was, was on. It, no, it was on. Uh-huh. He just did a very good job of defending, and he yes. relaxed. Yep. So... Uh-huh. So I, I, you and I were texting like, yeah, look, I would say it could potentially be one, but Vegas doesn't give out 10-8s very easily which I, I kind of think that they shouldn't. I mean, I know that we should give them out a little bit more than normal, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. You know, like when I looked when I looked back at the Charles Johnson fight, I'm like, okay, look, <clears throat> he got dropped, but he wasn't like he was on ice skates, right? He got put down and then he got back up and then he got put down again, like a, from a jab, I believe, yeah, you know, and it was, was like off balance. The submission got put yep. on as well in the first time he got dropped. And when the submission got put on, he was, a, he was still there enough to defend the way he did so well that uh you know his opponent basically burned the arms of yeah burned him out out. he he was kind of not the same fighter after that and uh yeah so i thought i thought it was a i thought that was one of those fights where i'm like okay uh i I understand the logic of not giving it a 10-8 because he wasn't rocked he wasn't hurt he wasn't any of those things so uh that clears up on the on the main event but then hey i expected fireworks out of the co-main event it was probably one of the better fights you know on the card in terms of yeah. action, but, but we had sat here last week. We talked about how would Moikano win this fight and how would Judober win this fight? And the two ways were, and actually for both fighters, for Moikano, we said that he needed to get the takedowns, threaten the takedowns. Would he do it though? Would he spend the energy trying to get takedowns? Yes, as soon as he got hit by Dober, yeah. he goes, I'm going for the takedown. And, and then I was actually surprised that they came as easy as they did. I expected. Yeah, I was too. Yeah, I expected. I was surprised at how well he stepped to the side and got to the side of Dober, yeah. where I'm like, Drew, you got to turn your hips, man. You got to, you got to adjust. It wasn't happening. Yeah, you know, and he did it multiple times. So obviously, the way he was doing it had Dober confused. It it, it threw me off. It actually threw me off a lot because I was expecting Dober to have a little bit better. I've seen him have great takedown defense. I've seen him yeah. fight hard. He had moments, uh, but in that first round, I think he was, uh, what, one for one or whatever in the takedowns, but he was struggling to get up, uh, trying to get himself back to guard. Then when his coach told him, go to, go to your butterfly sweep, that was able to create some space and get himself back up a couple times. Um, I think when you're, when you're somebody like – when you're working with somebody like that, with a Drew Dober, you've gotta you got you've gotta explain to him the importance of aiming for the chest more so than aiming for the head, especially when you know the opponent wants to take you down. That's one. Two is with Drew Dober is <clears throat> he's got qu- quick hands, very explosive. He fights in a phone booth really well, and for him, most of his damage was done in that position. There, uh, he was able to <clears throat> land some big shots. And then, but those things led to takedowns because he started loading up or kind of swinging a little loopy and wide, and that's what got him taken down. <clears throat> I, you know, in looking at the fight, like we said, look, Dober, Dober's going to want to keep it on the feet and use his heavy hands. And it was clear that the power that he possessed was affecting Moicano to the point where Mo- he, he got rocked a couple of times mm-hmm. in that fight. You could see it. And he immediately went into a clinch or a takedown situation and you know basically dominated the ground. But let's let's give him credit where credit is due. He took the fight to the ground, but he didn't just lie on him. 
He was doing work. He was staying busy. He was trying to pass at times. Sometimes he got to where he wanted. Sometimes he didn't, but he was always sitting there trying to do more. I, you know, the first round was obviously his. I thought, you know, Drew landed some good shots in the beginning, but too much time on the ground, too much as far as volume, as far as Moicano. The second round he was winning until Drew got up and hurt him again and then ended up on top and, you know, he did some damage. The, the cut was, I think, based upon a clash of heads. Mm, on the lateral drop, yeah. correct? Yeah. <clears throat> I had Drew win in the second round anyway. So, so did I. Okay, because so I thought he did the most damage. I know the cut came from, it seemed like the cut came from the head. Yeah, but it, there was still more than that. And so Yeah, I mean, the first the first part of that second round, I didn't see what I needed to see out of there. I didn't see enough no, damage. Slow. I didn't see enough work. I saw maybe some efforts to pass. I didn't see enough damage being done from the no, top position. And Drew, for a minute, 15 what on What Drew did for a minute and 30, yeah, minute 15. I thought yep. it was pretty damn good, so. I gave yeah. him a second. He definitely lost yeah. the third, though, so that put him out of the range. Yep. But, so, uh, but John, I guess the highlight of this whole thing is <laughs> is the post fight interview. The post fight interview. Go ahead, John. I'm gonna let you because you text like, me going, "I love if, this." If there's one thing that Hanato Moicano has figured out, it's when you have a chance to speak into that microphone. You don't need DC or Joe Rogan to ask you a question. Yeah. Just go. And, and he is going. He started off. I mean, I was cracking up because he, he attacked he, he attacked multiple people. He attacked the MMA guru, which cracks me up. He says, you know, told, told him what he thought of him. Attacked multiple, you know, people with that. Then he he starts going off on his dad is, you know, 62 years old and just had a kid. Jesus. And so now he's basically got to go jump on his wife and have another kid because, oh. you know, there's got to be more Moicanos because I can't be, you know, beat beat by my father and oh. having children. <laughs> so he goes through that. Then he goes into, he want, you know, he's going to become a citizen here and he wants to be a police officer, not only a police officer. I want to be in SWAT and I want to kill people. <laughs> Bad guys. <laughs> So at least he wants to kill bad guys. That's good. And so then on top of that, then he goes into, you know, you know, you know, America, what's, what is wrong with you? Mm. You know, we got to fix this country. You know, you, you people are losing it. You're going to be a third world country. You know, this is, you get your shit together. And I was like, well, listen to this. <laughs> and we have a guy from Brazil telling everyone, Hey, I don't know what you, you guys are seeing, but I'm seeing something and it looks fucked up. Yeah. I was laughing. I thought he was hysterical. John, you know what surprises me? Well, what surprised me is that his dad's 60 years old and just had a fucking kid. Six, 62 <laughs> years old so having a kid? Dude. Dude, if I had a kid right now, I oh, would shoot myself. In my 40s, man. I'm trying to keep up with the ones that I have. <laughs> oh, my God. Man, I was at the soccer field half the day today. And I'm like, I walked in the house. I'm like, oh, I'm exhausted, man. Thank God there's fights tonight. Just to lay down on the couch and watch them. <laughs> I was like, all right, kids, go, go away, get away. <laughs> Man, I have my grandson this morning. I'm out with, I'm out, you know, going to the pigs and to the goats and to the cows with them and having fun with them and, you know, walking them around and showing them stuff. And, and, you know, that lasted for a good hour and a half. Here you go. He's back. <laughs> I'm not responsible this fucking anymore. This guy, this guy. Here you go. Back to you guys. It's the best. Oh. It's the absolute best. I get to have fun with them, get to show them stuff, do things. And when it's time, it's time to go home. 
Can I ask you a question? And I know this yeah. is not about, it's not fight related. This has to do with his interview though at the end. But can I ask a question? Like, why is it that when we have people that come from other countries and they say that we're the greatest country in the world and like we're starting to become like these other third, like these other countries that have just fallen into a shithole. Why do why do media sources discredit what they have? If you read Twitter, I've read some of the media. Oh. They've already come out right away talking about his comments and discrediting him. Like, oh, he, everything was great. His fight was great. But then he had his dumb interview at the end. His interview was great. Like, you know, I, I just, I don't understand. And, like, these people have the lived part. in these other countries. Let me finish. These people have lived in these other countries. No, they have. Well, he has. Yeah. Yeah, he has. I'm yes. saying. They've lived in these other countries. But the people that haven't lived in those other countries think they know better than him. Oh yeah. I well, mean, it just it can it, yeah, it completely baffles Josh, me. Josh, I say it all the time, and I talk to people all the time about it. And, and you know, I have been lucky enough. You've been lucky. You've gone all over. I've probably gone more places than you. Okay, I have been all over. I, You're I have double a, my age. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I have I have a a world map, and I've got pins in it. You mm -hmm. know, of all the places that I've been. Now, some of those pins I could put in. You know. 40 times yeah but you know it's got a pin you know for all the different countries and cities and so i got like 280 some pins in that damn mat and that's just saying that i've at least been there once mm. you know and mo some of them like i said i've been there 20 times mm -hmm. 15 times 10 times you know and i've been i've been just about everywhere i haven't been to a lot of places in africa okay so that's one that i'll i can't say anything about but everywhere I go, I've you have seen a pin in the places. tree that fell on you. Yeah, that, that was, yeah, that was, that was a different one. The but, tree left the pin you know, in him. <laughs> yeah, that's it. The tree left the pin in me. You know, I've I've been some to, to some great countries, countries that I look at and I go, man, you know what? This is really a beautiful place. Mm -hmm. All these things, and I've been to some of the biggest shitholes the world has, and people in this country especially the ones that complain they need to go to those mm -hmm. and they need to live there and it will alter their perceptions you know let, let's just be honest about it. there's people protesting and doing things you know and acting like you know oh they want to help in this certain area where that area if that person went there they would take them they would bind their hands behind their back and they would throw stones at them until they died mm -hmm. okay but we don't look at it that way. I, I, it just, we're, we're the bad ones. It just baffles me that when I got on the, cause you had, I, I muted the interview only because he was dropping F bombs and I got two young kids. <laughs> and you and got kids. <laughs> and now I'm there listening and they're listening. They're like, what does that mean? I'm like, Oh no, we're just, just mute. We're good. And you were texting me about how the interview was, but then I looked, I was, you know, I scrolled through Twitter to see what comments are and people like, you know, while the fight's going on, see what their reaction is. So, cause I know we're doing the show directly after. <clears throat> and, just, just two media sources are on there talking about, oh, it was a great, it was a great fight, or you know, he showed up to fight, but then that media interview was trash. Like, I can't believe he wasted his interview saying stupid shit like that. That I'm thinking to myself, you work for media, like, have you been there? Have you lived there? Have you do you understand what he's talking about? And that just have you, have have you walked in his shoes? Yeah, have you walked in his shoes? Look, he's from Brasilia. Okay, I've been to Brasilia. Mm -hmm. Okay, I've been to all over Brazil. You know, I've been to goddamn probably at least 15 cities in Brazil. 
okay? And Brazil can be a great country, and it has a lot of problems, just like the U.S. Mm-hmm. You know, we got problems. But when our biggest problems are kind of like their biggest problems, it's the government. Mm-hmm. That's our problem. Yeah. We have people representing us that don't represent us. They don't care about what the average person wants. They care about what the fringe or the loudest mouths want because that's what they think gets them votes. So it's not about doing what's right. Yeah, it sucks. <clears throat> Anyways, I, I just, I, I was just I wondering. Get, yeah, for everyone that wants to <laughs> to type in there that I'm a horrible person, go ahead. No, I just... I, I just, you know, it's always just kind of thrown me out for a loop that I just, have, I've, it doesn't matter even if it's media. I have friends that are just like, oh, well, we should do this. We should do that. And I'm like, these people that I know that we know that we're friends with, you know, other friends that I have, we're friends with, they're telling you that we are slowly becoming like the country they left. Yep. And they would never wish that upon this country. That's why they came here. And yet you're telling this person, they don't know what they're talking about. It just shocks me. Yeah. I, I, I love when you have someone come from, you know, a country that, you know, is a socialist country or a communist country and have lived under that and come to this country and say, I came here for freedom. And it's, it's beautiful here. Why are you people Hello? wanting to, to go into something? Yeah. You know, I came from a socialist country and I love There it. you go. And you want to go back? Oh, hell no. I said, I love it here. <laughs> You're from Scotland, right? Scotland? Uh, yeah, I'm from Scotland. Yeah. So you got your citizenship now, right? Oh, dude, thank Finally. God. Finally, thank God. Yeah. Got tired of you fucking being an anchor baby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Went out and had two kids, not an anchor baby. No, now he's a citizen. <laughs> no, I get it. All right, look, I know we got off topic, okay. guys. Oh, we did. We got way Let's off go topic. after Randy Brown, who put on a beautiful performance. God damn but okay, let me ask you. It may have been my TV. It looked like Randy Brown was a light heavyweight compared to a welterweight in Salicon. I mean, I was just like, God, look at the size difference there. Amazing. John, you know who he reminds me of a little bit though in the lightweight division is uh, the tarantula. Oh yeah, Jalen Turner. Jalen Turner. Yeah, he, uh, he Randy Brown obviously has a little bit more muscle, but uh, yeah. <laughs> but like he. He has that kind of body style, that tall, long, and lanky, but then he fights very well on his feet. Doesn't fight like Jalen Turner, you know, but they're just very talented, man. They know how to use their length yeah, to their advantage. Athletic. You know how many guys that I've seen, like, uh, what's the the other tall guy who just fought? Um, Wooden? W- Wooding? Uh, what's oh, name? yeah, uh, no, Woodson. Uh, uh, Woodson? Woodson. Yeah, Woodson. so he doesn't know how to use his length to his advantage, not as well as he should. Not like these two guys. He also doesn't have the athleticism that these two guys have. The Jalen Turner and uh, Randy Brown. Have. Let, let's be honest. Randy Brown. Randy Brown can be whatever. He, yeah, he can do whatever he wants. <laughs> that dude can be a wide receiver in the NFL. It's it's he insane. is an athlete. He's he is fast, dude. Just athletic. Yeah, he's definitely an athlete. But he's just got he's got skills though too. Like he, the way he was setting things up, the way you can see his brain moving in there. He was waiting for mm-hmm. Salikov. You know, it's a constant, like, to be putting too much pressure. He never did. He was very patient with it, Salikoff was. But when you're too patient, like when I had talked about um, <clears throat> uh, the Imovov fight, was that if you're too patient with someone who is a good striker, someone who's a technical striker, someone who knows to utilize all those little tiny weapons and tools and fight composed like Randy Brown, 
Salikov's got to make something happen. You've got to make him feel uncomfortable. You can't let him fight a, a slowed down tempo fight where he's good. You've got to make them fight under pressure. He never really did that. The calf kick started looking like it was having a little bit of an effect. A little bit. But it wasn't enough. You've got to throw him more, more often. You've got to sometimes realize. This is this is always has kind of gone through my mind. You've got to sometimes realize that in no way will Randy Brown want to jump on top and go and go to grappling with you. Very much almost like how when uh, Kane fought uh, Junior. He's like, if I just shoot double legs on my hands and knees, I'll eventually get to you and get you down. And when I do, I'll just keep doing this over and over until you can't defend anymore. In these type of situations, throw that calf kick over and over and over again. If you go to the ground, Randy Brown's not just going to jump right on top of you and just try to play jujitsu when he knows that his whole advantage is on the feet. Now, there's a danger there of being like kicked and knocked out, all those things. But Randy Brown's got the reach, the range, the, the speed advantage all on his side. And I think he yeah. knew that. And so if you're a Salikov, you're thinking, just kick, and if I fall down, I fall down. If I get if I get hit or knocked over off balance and I fall down, then I fall down. I'll get back up because Randy Brown's not going to jump on top and try to play the jiu-jitsu game or the top game with him. Maybe not for a long time. He starts Salikov starts threatening submissions or starts threatening sweeps. He'll just let him up. So why not go to, why not go to the well as much as you can on the calf kicks? Yeah, true. But it really, yeah, I look at the fight, and uh, I'm being honest. I thought Salikov was fighting as as yeah. what he could do in the stand up with a guy that was has that much reach and range on him. He was using, he's got beautiful spinning attacks. He throws them fast. Yeah, uh, but they were Randy was ready for all of them. Moved himself out of position, you know, to to avoid all of them. But when he landed that that one shot, dude. That was solid. It didn't look like it, but it was. Mm -hmm. That definitely rattled his cage. And the second one just made him not want to fight anymore. Yeah. So, But that was a big-time win for Randy Brown. Yeah, huge win, huge win. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him at welterweight. He's going to be a fucking problem. He's yeah. going to be a problem. I mean, like, I know that there's good wrestlers in the welterweight division. Dave, can you pull up the – you've got Colby who can wrestle. You've got Kamaro if he's going to stay at that weight class who can wrestle. Um, who else is in that weight class that can wrestle? Let's see. Sean Brady can wrestle. Um, Colby Gilbert Burns has got some pretty damn good wrestling. Shavkat, he's got wrestling, even though he doesn't utilize it a lot. Bilal definitely can wrestle. So he's got some problems up in there in that mix, you know? Um, but I mean, like you look at guys like Vicente Luque, Jeff Neal, uh, Ian Gary, uh, Madalena, Della uh, Madalena. Those guys aren't trying to wrestle him. They may try a little, but I don't think they're going to keep trying to push the pace on it. Like keep trying to do it so much. Him and him and Kevin Holland would be a fun fight. Oh, him and Kevin Holland or him and Jack Dale and Madalena. Yeah. That would be a good fight. I mean, a good step up for him might be a Neil Magny. Not good for Neil. He's got a, yeah. <laughs> Not good for Neil. <laughs> like a, Neil just stays in the fight he until does. you make the mistake and then he wins. Yep. Yeah, so, yeah. Well, I heard that Randy Brown was trying to do this whole like I guess he ran into Michael Chiesa and was like, "Hey, I think we should fight." Yeah, they saw a little Twitter thing going on there, and they were talking about, "Yeah, he's already pitching for the Mike uh, Michael Chiesa fight." I mean, I'd like to see a Kevin Holland or a Neil Magny fight with two long, you know, tall, long, lanky guys out there. You know, if not, then jump right up and get, let's let's get a taste of that uh, Ian Gary. Let's get a taste of that Ian uh -huh. Gary. Let's go. Uh, yeah. Look at him and Ian Gary would be a fun fight. Yeah, it would. 
It would be interesting. They're both super long, mm-hmm. you know, fast. Yeah. I think that would be a great matchup. I would, be, I would. Look, UFC, just call me if you need some matchmaking. Yeah, that's it. I got you. Sean Shelby. <laughs> you, Sean. you used to book me. Now you just use all of my, my <laughs> fights. Does Sean, does Sean, um, does he handle still the lightweights and below? Or does. <sighs> Man, I don't know don't which know. ones they're, have to call around. they're doing. Yeah. He used to have them all from. Yeah. Uh, lightweight down before, but I, and I, he might still just have it that way got with uh, Nick doing the bigger guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. But got they it. Are, they also cross over. And, I'm know, sure. They help each other and stuff. I'm sure there's a vote on some yeah. of the top fights. Yep. In those in the main cards. All right. Natalia Silva taking on Viviana Arosu. I'll tell you what. Freaking Natalia Silva is fun to watch. Yes, yeah, she is. She's fast. She throws a ton of different techniques. You know what? She, I really thought this was going to be a hard fight for her. Prove me wrong. She yep. basically, you know, walked away with that fight. Just, yeah. you know, 29-28 on the cards, I know, but she's the one that landed the majority of the good shots. She's the one that actually hurt her opponent, you know, in the fight. Mm-hmm. She just looked good, and she's difficult there. And you look at what... You know, wasn't didn't she fight Michelle Watterson? Wasn't that a I believe so. I think she pieced her up. She did. And I was like, if you're piecing up Michelle in a stand up fight, that's pretty good. Who was it that she pieced up? Andrea Lee. Oh, Andrea okay. Lee was who okay. she pieced up. Maybe we were both. It wasn't, it wasn't we were both wrong. <laughs> yeah. But it, still Andrea Lee. Yeah. Andrea Lee's a good fighter. Tough. Yeah. It- and, and pieced her up. In this fight, look, when I was looking at the two of them before when we did the the midweek show, when I looked them up, both of them, and kind of went through what I thought maybe the benefits of this fight would be. I thought Arojo was going to be able to handle the power, which she didn't handle it as well as I thought she'd be able to. <clears throat> and nope. it wasn't even so much the power. I just thought that she, I didn't think Silva had that type of power. I know that she has some power. She's explosive fast. She gets it there. But... I was expecting uh, Arojo to be able just to walk through it and land her big shots. Because when you look at the two, one is more of a stalking type fighter who tries to yeah. land the big shot. And I expected Arojo to be able to do that. Where Silva, I thought as she slowed down as the fight went on, because she does, she has great lateral movement. She never stops moving. And when she does, it's ready to throw. She's got the, she's got the guns cocked and she's throwing the, she's throwing her shots. Yep. And so I thought she fought a very good fight. I thought Arojo was going to be able to walk her down, put her under pressure, take her shots. And then by the second, third round, she that Silva would slow down enough that she'd land a big shot and start making her fear what she was doing. And then she'd fight a very scared fight and then even get slower and start burning more cardio and adrenaline dump. And it would just all start being a, a snowball effect going downhill. That never happened. Never happened. No. It actually was, got stronger as she went on. I really thought that my whole... The idea behind it was I thought Erosia would be able to use her stand-up to get into taking Silva down and that physically was stronger, mm. physically would would able, be, be able to put her on the ground when she wanted. She wasn't able to. No. She just was not able to. And I, I give Silva credit. She showed that, you know what, she's got, she got takedown defense. Yeah. She's an all-around fighter. So I thought big win for her. I look forward to seeing where she goes. Let's pull up the rankings on that too. Let's play matchmaker again. Let's love it. Yeah. Let's do it. Silva. Silva was thinking number eleven, I think, is where she was. Flyweights. Yeah, yeah not not two of five pounders. Or not not pound for pounds. 
Uh, okay. Uh, Wait, right here. Flyweights. <laughs> yeah, right here. You were on the heavyweight yeah. side over there. No, over John there. Jones. Yeah, all the way to the right. All right, all right. So here we are. <clears throat> Flyweights. Viviana Arahu was yeah, number right seven. Yeah, you're not there, Dave. You're no. My mouse was right here, but like my mouse, like I have the high, I have them right up. Yeah, she was number seven while Natalia was number nine. So now Natalia's okay. going to be going up. So taking a look at who's there, you know, a lot of those already have fights coming up. Seven. Doesn't Macy have a fight coming up? Oh, who uh, Macy Barber? She does. Yeah, that's yeah, coming up. I think it's Chikagian. Chikagian, I think is who she's fighting. That's exactly what I was thinking. Uh huh. So that's two. I of think them Silva right and Andrade would be a good fight. I like to see Silva and Andrade. She's going to jump to seven, so I'd like to see her and Andrade. Hmm? You know, I mean, if you put, I mean, like, I think give her the Andrade fight. If she does a great job, then you maybe start putting her against like an Aaron Blanchfield. Give her that. I think uh, Faroe's going to end up getting the next title shot. Faroe's got a fight against Blanchfield coming up. Oh, that's right. I, <laughs> Oops. Sorry, John. That's all right. So the winner of that, I guess, I, I get, the winner of that's going to get a title shot. Huh? I would imagine. So then you, you would think. Then, yeah, I mean, you've got Silva. Silva's going to jump Hebus up to number seven, probably. Then you got Macy Barber, who's fighting Chikagian. I mean, the next, the next best fight. In terms of stature, size, you know, physical ability, is Jessica Andrade. It makes sense. Yeah. You know, I just feel bad for whoever's got to fight Valentina Shevchenko. Because <laughs> I mean, you got to think about it. She's lost twice to Alexa Grasso, or not twice, but she's fought her twice. Draw, draw, yeah. And but when I'm looking at it, um, they're not going to give her the re- the automatic rematch. Got to fight. Someone's got to fight Valentina Shevchenko, and that's a shitty sure. position to be in. Like you're getting the shit, you're getting the short end of the stick. Yeah. Oh, that sucks. Are you saying that the cards are not playing out in your favor here? Yeah, that's you know. And if the UFC doesn't <laughs> like you, they may they're gonna do that shit to you on purpose. So, yeah. uh, you know, you know who else is in this mix though that I really want to see is Tracy Cortez. Yeah, Cortez. She's you know her and maybe um, maybe her and Arroyo fight as a step yeah. up or something somewhere in there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Who knows? But that's another that's another one that's kind of making a big splash right now. She just got to be more active. Her problem is she's not active enough. Tracy Cortez. All right, let's see the next fight. All right, there's nothing to talk about. An 11 <laughs> second fight with uh, an eye poke when we had Hizriev and against Muradov. I was looking forward to this. I thought this was going to be a really good fight. Muradov got really good stand up skills. He's tough when it comes to his uh, defensive wrestling, but Hizriev is a, he's a, a black wolf. He's a, he's a tank. I mean, we could spend 30 minutes talking about 11 seconds. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it, it's like, uh, you know, no, I mean, it's like, it happens. what do you do? <clears throat> nothing. There's nothing Shit you can happens. do about it. Our gloves are, um, are designed a certain way that's going to cause this almost, you know, all it's going to cause it all the time. You're going to get at least one a show. I think you're going to continue to get one a show. Uh, look, I also, I think out of the gloves, I like the old school pride gloves. I think those were the best. Most of the padding was in the back of the hand and more into the wrist. You had the glove, that little uh, neoprene that went over your thumb. So it yeah. kept the gloves kind of secure and tight. You don't have to worry about taping your thumb. So I hated having to tape my thumb. 
Uh, it just, cause it always comes loose. It just, and it also, sometimes when you tape it too tight, it cuts off the circulation, but the neoprene on the glove, I thought, and then the pride gloves, as well as the rising gloves, they're all still made the same way. Um, but they're, they're cupped more. So they keep your hands. From yeah. The, from they have more of an arc. Yeah. They have more of an arc. You know, the old school yeah. Bellator ones had that too, when they were made by, yep. uh, Everlast. Uh, Everlast, they had that as well. Uh, then, you know, the new Bellator ones didn't have it as much. They weren't as curved as much. You know, but, but one of the problems is this. We changed the rule. Yeah. Basically, it was the John Jones rule. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, because John would keep his fingers out there and do the basic big brother hold onto your head. Mm-hmm. But he would put his fingers out like it was a pitchfork in front of you. So you didn't want to come forward. And uh, we said, all right, you can't do that. You know, you, and it was supposed to be that, oh, your hand was a fist out. And then they said, well, you can put your fingers up. That was a mistake. That was the biggest mistake of that rule. Should never. And every time you try to, oh, we'll give them this. No. Nope, don't. <clears throat> you know, it would have taken care of yeah. most of your eye pokes and stuff. Because most of them are defensive. Yeah. Most eye pokes are when someone is defending and trying to push away from their opponent. That's when the eye pokes happen. My favorite gloves, though, were the Strike Force gloves. Yeah, the Fairtex. They were fucking awesome. They were because the I was going to say that, but then you you said the Pride, so I was like, okay. Yeah, no, but my favorite gloves. I mean, I, I fought with the Pride gloves. I fought with the the Dream gloves, which were basically the same exact gloves. Same thing. And they uh, same thing. But then my favorite gloves were the were the Strike Force gloves. There was. Uh, moving not a lot of padding in the knuckle not a, and it wrapped up kind of a little higher on the wrist so it gave put you good wrist hand support up in front of the camera what put your hand up john oh no, did it get there you go no. yeah, there you go blurry there you go blurry sorry so padding on the gloves <laughs> um but yeah it um they, they, I was. It was so much easier to pumble. They didn't get stuck. They didn't have that extra well, they, little foam. That's piece. because they weren't wide. No, they weren't. They were actually pretty narrow. Yeah, and that made a big difference in them. I thought though. I actually thought those were some of the better gloves out jiu-jitsu there. Jujitsu for for jujitsu and grappling when you were fighting, they were the best. Yeah. They yeah. were the absolute best. I loved them. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they. We never trained them though because there was very little padding to them. <laughs> so I never yeah, wore man. them for training, but. You know, I have a ton of them still around in the house. So, uh, but yeah, they, those were my favorite ones. But in terms of, um, you know, like the curvature of them was the pride ones, as which yeah. is what we were talking about. Yeah. Uh, next fight, Charlie Radke taking on Gilbert Urbina, and Charlie Radke is he? He's funny. Yeah. He's had multiple fights. I don't know if you remember his first fight. Mm-hmm. It was uh, in a foreign country, and he basically told everyone fuck you it wasn't the smartest move but he kind of did it again just in the apex but look he's actually got skill he called out colby covington you know says you know doesn't like him and stuff but the guy can fight you know Bilal muhammad it was in his corner of course he called out colby covington Bilal's in his corner (laughs) (laughs) you don't think you don't think they had already uh pre-done that whole thing hey when you win this is what you're gonna say right yep, yep. i'm gonna help you train but you're gonna talk shit to colby for me bingo <laughs> it's all good but i tell you what he hit he hit freaking urbino with a beautiful hook that was tight it was clean put him down one more shot you know well actually it hurt him prior to it but 
when he put him down that second time, he was done. Yeah. You saw his eyes kind of but I think Charlie's got the potential. I think we gotta slow the row a little bit on the Colby Covington call out. I mean Col- oh, yeah. Colby's still got a ton of talent. He's still extremely tough. Oh, did you see the fight they're talking about with Colby? No. What Shavkat. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We'll talk like about in that. June or something like that. Yeah, let's not ruin that. Calm down, John. Let's talk about it's, it's not real yet, though. It's not real yeah, yet. Yeah, you you but know what, gonna, Dave? Gonna, you hope it's not you, real. <laughs> Sean, I think I think uh, yeah. Like, let's calm down. Colby's still extremely talented. He's got a gas tank still for days. He can still wrestle the shit out of people, especially forty-year-olds. Uh, yeah, John, John, coming with the fire tonight, man. Uh, this guy, man. Um, Meraki looked good. I thought he looked great. I thought Urbina, though, he should have just had a little bit more output in terms of coming forward. He didn't really have that. I was expecting more out of him. I thought, to, I thought it would have more. Yeah, I thought he would be the one trying to push the tempo and the pace. He was on the outside more, and he got hit with the bigger shots. He got bullied around that cage. You can't let that happen, especially when you're the favorite. I believe he was the favorite for the fight. Was he the favorite in Yeah, that? he was the favorite, I believe. Really? So, wow. All right, well, hey, let's talk about our girl, Molly. I, can we even call her Meatball anymore? I wouldn't no, call her Meatball anymore. No, I can't she's, call her Meatball dude, anymore. She's Molly not Meatball. She's vegetarian ball. <laughs> vegetarian <laughs> veggie ball against uh, Molly veggie ball McCann because man, she is. She, good. she was lean. She, she looked good. good. She found she her weight class. Really good. Yeah. This is where she should well, be. It's not. It's yeah. She found her weight class. She found someone that taught her how to properly utilize nutrition to get herself to where she should be. Okay, let, let's let's I I want to talk about this. Let's not say that she found someone to properly utilize nutrition. She basically was affected by the way people were talking shit and understood that she messed up a couple times and she needed to fix it. Otherwise, she'd be unemployed. I okay. thought that she stepped up and she it takes it takes a strong person to do what she did cuz not everyone, sure. nobody, not everyone wants to do what she did. There's guys no, that I've had, there's guys that I've had in the gym. You have all this talent. You got to get yourself down to 155 or 170 or 185, whatever it is, but you're too fucking lazy to do it. Right. You don't want to spend the time. That means you're not a professional. That's exactly what it means. And her, she understood, look, there's fun to go out party and have fun. <laughs> Something switched. The reality is if I want to keep doing this, I love it. I want to fight until fucking I can't fight anymore. That means you need to start taking this a little bit more serious. When I continue to talk about fighters from, from Dagestan, it's because they take this 100% serious. Once they say they want to be a fighter, that's all they eat, breathe, and drink. Again, fighters from the UK, fighters from, from the US, fighters from Brazil, fighters from wherever, they don't treat it that way. And that's why there's, a, there's a little bit of a discrepancy. not discrepancy, that's why there's a little bit of a gap between the levels of fighters that come from Dagestan and fighters that come from the rest of the world. And it's, and, but with her, she, she saw that there was a problem. People were giving her the notice. The UFC maybe had a chat with her about it and she fixed it. I tip my hat to you, young lady. Absolutely amazing. I'm, I'm so happy because this is the fighter that I expected to see out of you every single time. She looked faster. She fought smarter. She didn't look like she was afraid to get tired. Looks she, like she had power in her she hands. She looked like still. she had power in her hands. And I also believe that she's going to be able to take shots from these smaller fighters. 
because now yeah. she's actually able to. These fighters are not bigger than her. They she was fighting fi fighters that are just bigger than her. Now fighting fighters that are about the same size, the power, and she's the faster fighter. So, well, first off, just go to the way she won. She she won by submission. I know. That's all. <laughs> Molly McCann won by submission. And hold on. Not only submitted her, dude, she dislocated her arm. Yeah, that was nasty. She, she popped screen. that sucker. Yeah. She popped that sucker. And, and you know, Molly has been going to uh, grappling tournaments and things like that. That's that's what you're looking for. Hey, you got to put yourself in a position to lose so you can win. Mm -hmm. And that's what, you know, that's what she's doing. And yeah. The fact that she got, I think that was her first submission win ever. Was it? You know, and that's, yeah. That's First impressive. submission win ever. Good for her. Yeah. <clears throat> when I broke down this fight last week, I thought that Belbita just look for was... that, Dave. See if she has any other submissions Yeah, one, on one. That was it. What? That was that's it. it. Yeah. When I broke down this fight last, in the midweek show, I was like, look, I looked up Molly's fights. I looked up uh, Belbita's fights, and I'm like. Well, they had already fought once. But Belbita was so slow. Yeah. The speed, the. You know, like the way she's so stiff with her combinations and she's she not just ones fighter. and twos. And Molly, I'm just like, all right, wow. Just she looked great at this weight. Fast, explosive, all of these things. I'm like looking, I'm like, man, this is your fight to lose. You know, you just got to go out there and just put pressure and just pick her apart. Dave, how long ago did she fight uh, Belpita before? Uh, 2019. Okay, so not that far. All right. Five years ago. Yeah, five years, yeah. I have a kid that's five, John. <laughs> it's five years ago. That yeah, is five years. Hmm. But... That's a long time. <laughs> I was fighting five years ago, John. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh. So there goes that. There goes that. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Uh, but great job. Great performance. Glad to see that she's uh, on track. She understands how uh, what she needed to do uh, to be to be. And a what she said, I love I love what she said to, to Cormier in the cage. You know, the fact she says, look, you know, you have choices and I had choices. And it's you know what? You know, I want to be a champion Then I got to I got to do the things when when uh, I'm failing. It's I got to change the plan. Because obviously the plan's not right. And that's what I've been doing. And it's way to go. Uh, like one of my more, I guess, one of my more famous quotes, even the UFC had kind of posted up about it a couple of times. I said, look, it's... Whoa, a whoa, whoa, whoa. Are you saying you I have a famous, famous quote? quote? Yeah. Okay, let's yeah. go. Uh, life is a choice. Like you're, it's a choice to be successful. Like you have that option. You have that choice to be successful. Sure. And, all you, and look, it may not be the success that you thought it would be. But in my re in the reality of life that, you know, how when we were younger, I used to dream about having a, a nice car. I used to dream about owning a big house and maybe it's not what you thought it would be. Like, even though it is now like it, but it's not like, oh, wow, there's all this responsibility that comes along with it. It's not as glamorous as you thought when you were. Yeah, that kid. part sucks. It sucks. It? <laughs> it sucks. But a lot of people wake up every day wishing they had what you had. Well, you know sure. what you have now. I mean, I used to pray for these type of things and now I have it. And so it depends on what your level of success is, but, um, it's a choice though, to be these, to, to have success, to, to achieve success. It's your choice. Do what you want with it, but you have the freedoms like everyone, you have 24 hours in the day, like everybody else does. So make the best of it. 
All right, next fight. All right, we had Charles Johnson taking on Azat Maxim. Maxim, you could tell, is a talented fighter. Charles Johnson is a good fighter and an incredible athlete. He is a good athlete. He is fast because you watch him in some of his techniques. He's a little bit sloppy, a little bit wild, but it makes him dangerous. But he got he got hurt, dropped, uh, got put down with another one that was a, it was a jab. I don't think he was really hurt in that one. Uh, almost, you know, was put into a submission, worked his way out of that, and from that point kind of started to take over in the fight he lost the first round lost it bad but i thought the second round he won and i thought you know in the, the third round he won mm-hmm. you know and it was he just started letting his hands go at times controlling it and i think that uh maxim got a little bit one of those when when you haven't lost you haven't been put into that position where you've had that that fight where the guy doesn't quit and he just keeps on coming at you. And eventually you start going, damn, I'm getting a little tired. Damn, he's not stopping. Damn, why is this not working like it has before? Kind of weighed in on him a little bit. And I think it helped Charles Johnson get the win. I thought there was two things. I thought that Maxim, what happened was he was able to drop him and handle him. He dropped him twice in the first. He was able to handle him all around in that first round. But oh, yeah. on that choke on the on the darts burned his arms a little he bit. burned his arms out or the anaconda he couldn't get it couldn't get it to finish and when he got back up he wasn't the same fighter anymore the power on his punches wasn't what it was and when you're taking that type of fighter and they're realizing that oh, i was able to hurt him as much as i want i can take this fight anywhere i want the second round came and he was exhausted just didn't have the same output. He just started throwing ones and twos. He wasn't as accurate with his strikes. Um, he wasn't landing as clean as he was in the first round. I mean, he seemed like he was, every time he hit and Charles you saw Johnson in the all first. All of a sudden, he was off balance. Yeah. Which tells you he's tired. It seemed like every time he hit Charles Johnson the first, Charles Johnson was rocked. He was hurt. Yeah. I was like, holy cow, this kid's got some power. He doesn't look like yeah. this, but he's got some power. I, dude, I swear to God, as I was watching him in that first round, I'm like, well, dude, we got a new one in the flyweight yeah. division. We're going to... We're gonna be talking about this kid. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking as well. And I think I think you are. You're still gonna he's yeah. gonna be something. He will. He's gonna learn a lot more from this loss than he would have learned from the win. A hundred percent. But I think also too is if you're an undefeated fighter coming in the UFC and you've had a couple wins in the UFC or one or two or maybe even four or five, whatever it is, and you're having success doing what you're doing, you have to remember that these fighters they will fight to almost nine times out of 10. These fighters, whether they're ranked or whether they're a top guy or not, they're going to fight to the bitter end. To the bitter end. Like just because you're tapping guys in the gym with this submission that you got, doesn't mean you're going to tap this guy who's not as good as that guy in the gym. But he's going to fight it a lot harder. And there's that little level of intensity. You're going to try to squeeze a little bit more than you normally would in the fight because you think you're going to finish it. When in reality, in the gym, you wouldn't have squeezed that hard because you know that ah, he's too hard to finish because you know that guy. And so you see fighters all the time burn themselves out on chasing submissions inside the cage versus when they're at the gym. They're like, ah, no, no, I don't have it yet or it's not on. This guy's tough. He's going to fight me off. He knows. 
And that's what I saw tonight. I saw was the inexperience, even though he was a great, he's a good fighter. I saw the inexperience yeah. in the top level. And even Charles Johnson's not a top level guy. He's good. He's not a top level no, he's, guy. He's a, he's a talented, very tremendous good fighter. athlete. Yes. But that, that you choke would have probably worked on a lot of the guys in the gym, but it didn't work yeah. that night. Charles Johnson's whole goal is to defend submissions because he knows that's where he's weak at. And so yeah. his whole goal is to sit inside the gym and just, how do I defend? How do I work this out? And that's what he's good at. So when and he he's went used to, that, to people putting pressure yeah. on him and he's used to the squeeze and it's like, I know when I'm going to, mm -hmm. I know if I'm not seeing those, yeah. I know I'm not going out. So I'm yeah. going to, I'm not tapping. Good defense. Great job. Yeah. yeah. All right. Win for him. Next fight. Pete Rodriguez was taking on Themba Gormino. Gor Gorimbo. <laughs> Gorimbo. Say wrong. Gorimbo. Okay. And uh, that was, it was it was fast and nasty. It it was fast and nasty. But before we talk about this fight, make sure you guys go to OnlyFans.com slash Wayne in. OnlyFans.com slash Wayne in. Subscribe to us over there. It is free. It is free. free. So uh, tomorrow, I am going to do a OnlyFans live tomorrow. OnlyFans live tomorrow. Actually, will we do it tomorrow? Let's save it. Let's save it for the midweek. I'm going to save that for the midweek. But go to OnlyFans.com slash Wayne in. I did one last week. Tons of people jumped on, answered all the questions. We had a great time for about 45 minutes. And I plan on doing another one this week. So make sure you guys subscribe to us over there. It is free. You guys, nothing will come up on your profile or your page if you do not subscribe to it. So if you're afraid that your wife's going to get on there and go, why do you have an OnlyFans account? She will not see anything unless you subscribe to it. So if you only subscribe to us, that's all that matters. Anthony, or... Anthony Pettis is on there. Chris Cyborg is on there. AJ McKee is on there. Luke Rockhold's on there. Uh, Vivian... Uh, uh, What's her name? Uh, Viviana. Uh, she's from American Top Team. She's on there. <laughs> I can't remember her name. Uh, uh, she's on there as well. So, um, yeah. If you guys. Or can't. you could tell your wife when she asks you, why are you on OnlyFans? You can just tell her because I'm a sexy beast. <laughs> so I'm, trying, I'm trying to tell her you're taking pictures of your feet and you're making money. Woo, there you go. John, I got some ugly ass feet, dog. I can't be uh, doing no, that shit. Flintstone feet, man. <laughs> have I told you the story about uh, LL Cool J? No. He has it written in his contract that you can't show his feet in any of the stuff he does. And I asked him because we did the NCISLA. And I asked him, I go, why are you? Because he did the fight. I think you were the ref in the fight scene. This was yeah. back in like 2011 or 2010 or something like that. And he's he's in the he's in the cage fighting and you're the ref and I'm on the outside. It was me and like Kong and uh Frank and everybody, right? Yeah. Gilbert and stuff, and we're laughing and we're and he comes out I'm like, why does he have fucking ninja booties on? And he's like, and I talked to him afterwards, he's like, No, that shit's in my contract. He's like, You can't show my feet. He's like, I got fucked up feet. I was like, wait, they're that mess. He's like, absolutely. He's like, no, no one can see my feet. My man, my wife makes fun of my fucking feet. I was oh, like, oh shit. Funny. So that's you remember, great. Do you remember that movie Boomerang? Absolutely. Hammer time. Eddie Murphy. Hammer time. It was, it was, and it was all about the, the girls the with the nasty feet. It was hysterical. John, I used to fucking... Uh, that movie came out when it was still uh, VHS. And I would rewind, play, rewind, play. I watched that movie so many damn times. It was hysterical. It was great, man. It was such uh, a great movie. Uh, you had Martin Lawrence. You had uh, you know Eddie Murphy. Uh, I can't remember the, the dorky guy's name. And you also had Mr. Uh, Coordinate. Uh, what's his name? Oh, Wither? Dude, Withers? 
Uh, Something Withers, I think, is what his name was. But man, that was a great ass movie. Open up his jacket. But, yeah, it's called when, coordination. When, his, when it was his, him and his wife, the, it's the son. What are they in the bathroom for? Man, they're in there fucking. <laughs> he thought Eddie Murphy thought they were in there getting high. He goes, "No, man, they've been in there fucking." <laughs> Started laughing. Like, Wait, my your parents in my bathroom getting down? It's <laughs> just so fucking great. Oh, great. Uh, any other fights on here you want to chat about? Oh, yeah. Nah. What do you think about Grimbo, though? Do you think he's going to end up being a top-level uh, welterweight? He's saying that he's going to be the champ by the end of 2024. Now, everyone that knows knows the UFC, that ain't going to happen. Now, he may end up be early in the 2025, kind of mid-summer time, but there's no way they're going to give him another two fights between now and then and one of them being the title shot. He's not even in the rankings right now. I could see him making a surge into the top 10. Uh, click on the welterweight division. Nah. But I mean, look, there's guys. You put him against, uh, we just, who? Uh, da, 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 da. Dave, are you still with us? Dave. Yeah. Oh, so, uh, sorry. I had yeah, pause. Dave, Dave, I we're had talking to you. Click on the welterweight it's right division. Here, it's right here. Sorry. I, I'm so I glad you're paying attention, Dave. Pause. Great job, Dave. Oh, Great job. <laughs> welterweights. Dave, dump welterweights. Oh, again. There we go. No, but you look at him. Look, he's tall, long, and lanky as well. He's he's monster for that weight. Go back to Kevin Holland. Go back to Neil Magny. Go back to Michael Chiesa. Go back to Ian Machado. I mean, like, those are fights, man. Those are fights. Tall, long, and lanky. If you really wanted to surge him, if they if they like him that much, go right to Stephen Thompson. Sorry. If you want to surge him, if he's saying he wants to fight for the title by the end of 2024, give him Stephen yeah. Thompson. Just because he says something doesn't mean it's going to happen. Jay, yeah, UFC's been known to bite. Sometimes they're like, hey, this kid yeah. just had a flash knockout. Let's do it. Yeah, against Pete Rodriguez. Who not cares? a bad fighter. Not, I said not a bad fighter, but he's, he's standing up and Stephen Thompson's are on the, just a little bit different level. Sometimes you got to give the fighter what they ask for, John. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> it's, it all comes down to what I always tell people. Be careful what you yes. wish for. <laughs> Absolutely. We say this all the time. If you go up, man, you can't go backwards. I mean, if you're going oh, backwards, no, no, you're going no. the wrong direction. Yeah, take your exactly. time, especially on That's that cheap it, contract. You're Ooh. on that cheap contract. Take as many easy fights as you can get. Exactly. All right. Uh, that's going to wrap up our uh, UFC Vegas 85, I believe is what it was. And then we're going to get into a little bit of news. We'll talk one or two news clips, I think, right now. And then we'll save some of the rest for midweek show. Yep. Well, let's just talk about the biggest thing then. Um, there was go. the there was this whole kerfuffle. I would call it kerfuffle. From, uh, wow! Yeah, did right? you say kerfuffle? Wow. I sure did. That's, sure that did. must have came from the socialist country, Scotland. Wow! <laughs> you sure what did. you got? Uh, Poirier put out on uh, Twitter, "My face off, but still working," and it was a picture of uh, him and someone. Um, and then, not long after that he posts a new caption saying sorry folks i jumped the gun i couldn't get a hold of my manager for a few days uh, i just spoke with him and hunter misunderstanding on my part fate is on see you march 9th in miami um and then so that's kind of like weird that it was like within a few hours that happened um and then mma fighting one of their media guys puts out <clears throat> excuse me puts out a thing about the the mess up and then dana posts a screenshot from the text with uh 
but I sent an e. All right, so tell um, me what tell me what the MMA fighting guy put out. What did he say? Uh, here, you can't jump to just to Dana's response. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically like the UFC exploiting fighters. Uh, is 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 the gist of what he said? Um, let me find that. But right, so so anyway, so I'll, I'll pull that up and then you can refer back to it. But okay. um, Dana posted a screenshot of his text thread with Benoit Saint-Denis calls uh, this MMA fighting guy a scumbag. Guillermo um, Cruz. Yep. Um, the the screenshot Guillermo from the text Guillermo message Cruz. suggests that uh, kind of validates Dana's um, position that this was all done properly. Um, so while we guys talk about that, I'll go, I'll go pull the, the comments made. <sighs> I like think I saw some media was not me. I saw fans and I saw media saying that, you know, um, Dustin basically said that to kind of try to get more pressure on them to get what he wanted in the contract negotiations. And if that's true, good on him. Good for him. Like, I'm sorry, but that's how the game is played. You've got to find ways. If you announce a fight and let's just say the fight's not signed or it is signed or it hasn't been signed on your side, but it was signed on his, you know, like it's not like fight camps. Like they talk, they don't talk when it's contract stuff to each other. Like my manager well, doesn't talk with this manager and be like, yeah, so, you know, what are you guys making? No. You know, and are First you guys, off, yeah. what people need to understand is as a fighter, your time to try to get the things that you're going to want for that fight is before you sign on the dotted line. Yeah. Because once you signed on that contract, all the promoters are going to do, be it the UFC, be it the PA, they're going to go back and say, well, it doesn't say that in the contract. So you need to get it done before you put your name on that piece of paper. Your signature means something. And if you're not happy with something, you've got to confront it before you put your signature there. That's business. Yeah, I I, I think that what I've seen, John, I've been I've been kind of harsh on the MMA media lately. But th- these type of things just don't seem to go away. It seems like there That's is because a real... people want to be first instead of being right. It's not just about being first, John. Like, look, I've been accused mo- probably by most of our fans in the comments and most of our fans that listen to our show. But how, like, oh, we have this thing against UFC or we have this thing against Dana. I can Ridiculous. tell you what, what I can tell you is my experiences... I've had with Dana and I, I don't talk about all of them because those, some of them are private and I keep those to myself because that's, those are things that I know about between Dana and I, and that's it. I keep those to myself. Now there's other things that I feel like that can be shared on my show. And I've shared some of those things. And there's also things that I understand when people, when I see the media doing things, I have, I don't care. Like I, I what I mean, I don't care is that Dana, I feel has done a lot for the sport. And I can oh, no. and I can look at it. When when have you or when have I ever said that he hasn't? I don't I don't think we ever have. No. Yeah. And my my comments with re, like anything to do with Dana White, I can see both sides. I can definitely put any type of bias I would ever have against him, which I have no bias. Like I can just tell people like it is. I just feel that right now. I don't know if it's because of the. Dana White support for Trump, the Dana White support for conservative values. I'm just, let's be honest. Let's just throw it all out there. I really believe that a lot of our MMA media 
has different views, different political views than him. And oh, so no. they find any possible way they can to attack him for any type of thing, especially now coming up in 2024 in the election season. Let's go ahead and point out every little fucking thing you guys can to try and point and basically degrade him or to basically make him feel like he's a scumbag. Oh, the class action lawsuit. Oh, this and that. There's so many steps that need to be uh, in this process with the class action. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Okay. Whether that goes through or not, whatever. But I'm simply saying like, let's not continue to tear this, this whole thing down because you guys don't like political views or you guys think that he's doing this and he's doing that. What I've seen is a lot of negativity. I haven't seen anyone write a fucking opinion piece on how to fix it outside of, oh, let's just bring the Muhammad Ali act in or let's just do this. You guys have no fucking clue what you're talking about. And that's what drives me crazy. Like, you guys have no solutions. All you guys have is complaining pieces that you guys are writing. That's all opinionated pieces, what you guys are writing. And it's all complaints. Complaints about Dana does this. Complaints about Dana does that. Why don't you guys write a piece about how thousands or hundreds of them, but also like over years, it's been thousands of us have been able to make a living. Have you not made a piece about that? <laughs> like that's, that's well, where it, it's so upsetting think, sometimes. You got to look and think that, you know, many of them have a job based upon the hard work of Dana White. Absolutely. You know, people that did things, you know, that they never had any part of, but those things are what ended up making it to where that person could have that job. So I just look at it like, is Dana perfect? Absolutely not. Am I perfect? Absolutely not. Are you perfect? Absolutely not. Okay. There are things that Dana has done. You know, even with me, you know, I, do you remember when, when the whole COVID thing happened, right? Mm. Dana came out and it, it was really, it was almost that it was Habib and Tony Ferguson. Mm -hmm. He wanted that fight to happen. And the, the whole COVID thing kind of hit in March. No, February uh, 13th. Was it February? Fe okay. And he, he wanted to have that fight. And the one thing March that he 13th, was going to do. My bad. It was March. March 16th. March 13th is when we got okay, shut March, down. Our right. show was March 13th. the 13th. Yeah. They shut us down. And he wanted to have that fight. And he said, look, that fight's going to happen. And then he tried to go to Tachi Palace mm -hmm. in California. Right? And that was without the California State Athletic Commission. That's the only time I ever said anything about, hey, you're making a mistake. Don't do this. It's wrong. And it had nothing to do with COVID mm -hmm. as far as it had to do with you were going to go into a location in California that has a athletic commission that you work with and you were going to go do a show without them and there was no regulation other than what you were bringing, which would have been fine, but you were, you were taking such a step backwards and it had nothing to do with COVID. And then he came out with, they, they put together the, the montage uh, of all everything. Yeah. And, and it used that like I was saying, because I was all for them going to Jacksonville, Florida. Mm -hmm. When they, when they, you had the Florida Athletic Commission, yeah. I said, that's awesome. That's great. They're going to do it. But they, you, you know, he used me. And I'm like, you know, and there was a little thing that went back and forth. And it's like, hey, don't take things out of context. You know what that was about. And you know it was wrong. That's mm -hmm. why you didn't end up doing it. You know, and there's going to be those things and there's going to be those things that, you know, 
people have opinions. I have opinions. But overall, Dana White has been very good for MMA. He has made the sport grow. Mm-hmm. And, and I, you know, I, see, I used to say it all the time. Back when, you know, they took over and it was Zufa. And, you know, Dana was, he was, he was a dweeb with a fucking horseshoe head. You know, I, I was, I was one of the ones that, dude, shave your head, man. If I, dude, if I had hair like that, I'm shaving that son bitch. But I, I, you know, back then I would say, you know, Dana was getting on Southwest airline flights and going to places and putting videos in blockbuster video. Mm-hmm. You know, he was doing everything he could to try to make the sport catch. People have a lot to uh, say thank you to him for for all that because that eventually he wasn't perfect he made mistakes you know but eventually it was people like him and the hard work that he and lorenzo that that ended up making it all work so yeah we all have jobs basically i have well no he has a job because i did things before so <laughs> fuck him for that <laughs> just kidding look <laughs> covid during that week we did a show and i remember myself saying he's he's working too hard to make this show happen. I think it would be best to cancel this one show. I'm not saying cancel everything. I said, look, let's see what happens after a week or two. They said, remember two weeks to flatten the curve kind of bullshit. The two years later, we're still trying to flatten the fucking curve. (laughs) All right. Um, But my point was, was look, if that was on, because our show was on the 13th of March, their show was supposed to be that weekend, correct? Or the following weekend. And yeah, well they had they had one um i want to say it was, it was the, the next, next day, day in brazilia it was tony ferguson no excuse me charles Oliveira against uh kevin lee yep that was in brazilia in brazilia, in brazilia. and they ended up doing it yep. but with no crowd yes that was in brazil in brazilia but then the following week wasn't it a khabib or somebody or two weeks was it one week or two it weeks? Was, yes and, it was they, like were, be two and weeks they were later. trying to shove it through everyone they were trying to get it passed and this the, the Every state yeah. was shutting down. Florida was, I think, thinking about it or something, but then everything was still shut down. Yeah, no, it was shut. Florida was shut down at yeah. that point. And so I was like, you know what? Maybe we're pushing this a little bit too hard. Let's just see what happens. Let's give the two weeks its full two weeks. That's That was my take on that whole situation. Yeah. And, and I, I'm being honest. Mine was, my take had nothing to do with COVID. Yeah. My take had to do, dude, you are making a huge mistake and taking so many steps backwards from what, mm. you know, because look at when when Dana and Lorenzo mm. first took over, one of their things was, oh, the old UFC used to run from regulation and we're running towards it. Now, that wasn't true. Okay, I'm just being honest about it. We were running towards regulation since UFC 15. They came in UFC 30. You know, at one point, yes, that's a true statement. The UFC in the early days was running from regulation because, you know, that was the way we could put on the shows. But it was, they were, they had used that so much to, you know, help get themselves where they're at. Now you were taking all these steps backwards and actually doing what you said you never would do. Mm-hmm. And I was like, don't do that, man. It's going to end up biting me in the ass. And he, they didn't. Yeah. And, you know, but it's all, you know, things in the past that you people look at, they throw up there. It's like, mm-hmm. You have no idea. But my for the t- record, but yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead I was going to say, for the record, uh, Guillermo Cruz said, uh, Guillermo. two days in a row where fights were announced by Dana are now off because, well, they never really done a deal. And then he goes on to say, 
BSD's coach, Daniel Warren, told me weeks ago he had no idea about the fight before it was announced by Dana. They loved it, sure, but uh, were surprised by the announcement. Benoit was sleeping when the news broke. His wife woke him up saying, hey, you're fighting Poirier, and laughing. But then obviously Dana puts the, the screenshots of the text out. <clears throat> Look, to go back on this, the media has taken this thing where it feels like everything is negative. They try to do anything they can to exploit somehow that Dana White is a scumbag and Dana White is fucking over the fighters and Dana White is doing this, doing that. It's just starting to become so obvious and so apparent that it's like, it really makes you want to turn off all of the MMA media. Be like, look, you guys obviously have no idea what the fuck is going on. And lastly, I'm going to say this. Is it any moment, like John said, you guys all have, you guys are all have jobs in the MMA space covering this sport because of the UFC being such a big promotion. Yep. Everyone, you guys all have jobs at any moment. If he wasn't so freedom of speech, now he can, he can take digs at you guys at any moment. He could turn to every one of his fighters, send out notices and say, if you guys talk to this network, this network or this media source, Okay, you guys will be cut. Has he done that? If he said there'd be no MMA hour anymore, there'd be no more MMA junkie, think, there'd be no more. Think about this. Yeah, think about this, Josh. As simple as you say that, yeah, not cut. All he's got to do is basically say, hey, if you end up talking to this media outlet or this media outlet or this journalist or this reporter or this guy, just don't expect any bonuses because they're not coming. That's true. That just, just the bonus. Yeah. You know, what do you think would happen? Most of those guys would say, mm, well, he wouldn't even have to turn it to the, to the fighters. Oh, no. He would just call in the handful of management that runs pretty much the sport of fighters yeah. and just say, Hey, true. You four fighters or you four managers or five managers you need to go tell your there. people. <laughs> basically when your fighters are being told like, Hey, I'm going to book you for this. Now, a lot of this goes through like their media yeah. people, you know, sure. every manager has a media person that books them some media pretty much, you know, the top ones do. If you say, Hey, if your fighters want to have access to bonuses, then they won't take medias from the, they won't take me. They won't do media interviews with these media sources that lets you know, like the, he has control to do that. Has right. he done it to you guys yet? No. He hasn't. So the fact that he is freedom of speech, the fact that he is th that way allows all of you guys to continue making money and being profitable off of this. Now you guys would still write your stories. You guys would still be able to cover the sport. You guys would still, all the, but having guests on, like I said, the MMA hour, it would be gone. There'd be no MMA hour. You could do boxing. Sure. But no one's going to tune in for MMA hour when it's boxing. They'll watch. Of course, they're going to watch some of it. If you've got if you've got Tyson Fury on, you got Usyk on, you've got Wilder on, someone's going to tune in. Canelo, whatever you got, some those are top level boxers. So and 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 I love just so we're very clear. I'm not just pointing out Ariel and MMA Hour. I'm just simply saying he is very uh, his show is very uh, guest driven. Obviously, MMA Hours it's oh, all yeah. guest, and so I'm just simply saying I'm using that as an example because that's the one that everyone would recognize the most because of Ariel and what he's done for the sport. I'm not taking a dig at Ariel at all. I like what Ariel does. I think he is does a great job at what he does. I want to make sure that is very clear to wrap this whole thing up in this conversation. In terms of what Guillermo uh, Guillerme did, 
look, Dana's going to have his two cents. Like you're going to have your two cents and your opinion pieces. Like all media is going to take it for what it is. He replied to you. That means that whatever you said pissed him off enough for him to give a response. All it did was get, garner you more clicks. That's all it did. So in this clickbait world that we live in right now. Congratulations. Congratulations is correct. <laughs> uh, oh, like I said, I'm not, I'm not trying to take digs at the media. Uh, I know I normally do. Uh, but in these type of situations, it's just starting to become very, very evident that I don't know if it has to do with the political stance or if it has to do with how Dana treats, you know, if they believe how Dana treats the fighters, whether it's backdoor dealings or whether it's, you know, contracts, you know, not being done or this, what emails and stuff that are being exposed because of the class action lawsuit. Some of you guys are getting a hold of those and you're, you know, and you're seeing what's being said. Do you think that fighters really believe that Dana doesn't or Lorenzo or whoever, are you guys are there, they are businessmen. They're going to say, man, that guy's being a total pain in my fucking ass. This guy thinks he's more worth, he's worth more than he really is. You are delusional as a fighter. If you don't believe that these guys are like, man, he really thinks he's that good. That's why you have managers. So your feelings don't so get don't hurt. Do, there you go. Because that is the number one thing. You are going to always believe that you are worth more than you really are. Or you're going to believe that you're worth this much. In reality, you could be worth that much, but you're only worth as much as someone's willing to pay you. And if you're in the biggest promotion in the world, which it you know is the UFC right now, is whatever Dana's willing to pay you is what you're really worth. You can go somewhere else and check well, it you out. You can go somewhere see. else and yeah. find out, and then if they will pay you more than you're worth that. Yes, but. exactly. <laughs> You, you've got you've got to test you go out there and test the waters and see if you're worth that. A lot of fighters don't want to take that chance, so because they're afraid of what someone's going to say. But the media has been skewed now. Like it just start it's starting to become as I'm flipping through Twitter and I'm reading some of the media stuff, the headlines and the and the clickbait and the it's it's constant negativity towards you know towards Dana and it's a constant thing, and it's becoming yeah. a little bit more evident. Can, can I sit there here and say one thing off of it, though? Yeah. Dana doesn't give a shit. No, I know. <laughs> Look, as long as he it keeps... Careless, he's like, if they think that they're ever going to get to him, ain't happening. He's 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 above been it. in it too long. Mm -hmm. He's too... He's got thick skin. Yeah. He's a big boy. No, I agree. I agree. It's, it's funny, because I hear some of these uh, old school fighters, you know, when the class action thing starts coming through and... They're talking about it. I mean, they literally are just Dana's going to get it. Dana's going to, we're going to stick no, it to done. him. I'm like, you're not going to stick it to him at all. Nope. Like, <laughs> Money's not going to come out of his pocket. No, nothing's going to happen to him. Like, it's, nope. you know, like, oh, you're going to, you know, your guys are going to get it. UFC is going to get it. Maybe the UFC is going to end up paying something, but. Well, the UFC is going to. If it happens. If it happens. If it happens. You know. You know? But that's the UFC as a company. It's not yeah. Dana White. All right. Well, hey, we've uh, we've ranted on enough about we that. we beat this one. <laughs> we beat it. Beat it to a pulp. To death. Oh man. All right. Hey, before we uh, go, guys, make sure you guys subscribe to us. Hit that little uh, subscribe button. Hit the bell and notifications. Thank you guys so much. Go to WayneInMerch.com. It is hoodie season. See, season. Hoodie season. Hoodie season. Hoodie season. It is getting close to uh, Valentine's Day. You could squeeze in there. <laughs> you got to be squeezing. 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 <laughs> 
All right, guys, go to WayneInMerch.com. That was very lame, by the way. Uh, WayneInMerch.com. Pick up some of our hoodies, our hats, and everything else available there. So uh, check it all out at WayneInMerch.com. Subscribe to us. Hit the little bell notifications for our shows that drop during the midweek. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this show. I know we went a little off task today, John. This is a little, a little bit. We don't normally go in that direction. Um, just today was one to. of those days, man. Who cares? But John, take us away, buddy. <laughs> for everyone out there, thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the show. And we will see you. 